Thank you for streaming this little homebrew podcast. Brewed Up chronicles the fermentation highs and lows of Tyler Sadler of the Valley and Lori Ann Gutierrez of South Central LA. We also discuss breweries, cats, tacos, other adult bevs, and and whatever whatever else comes to mind. This show is available to listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, and wherever else you like to listen. Now, here's the show. I've had like just a couple sips and I feel cuckoo. Okay. (laughs) Just nervous in front of Kyle. Benvenidos amigos. This is brewed up your favorite flaky homebrew, homey, casual chit chat podcast that everyone is not talking about. We are here for you dears with a hopefully fun episode that tackles a very important subject in homebrewing propagating drags is that That's exciting right. enough for you that was good thank forceful you. Thank you. we're talking about propagating drags so whether you are creative or cheap turning what i like to call the gunga from the bottom of the bottle of mm. brew into a whole new hopefully viable pitchable yeast culture is very satisfying. I imagine it's very satisfying. I haven't done it yet. The Gunga? <laughs> that's that's a great way to put it. All right. So we're here today to explore this topic with local sour and funky hero, a.k.a. my boo, Kyle Hufford, a.k.a. Galita Farmhouse. Welcome, Kyle. Welcome to the pod. Thank you. How are you guys? We're good. How are you doing? Pretty good. Okay, Kyle, tell us a little about yourself, like where you're situated, how long you've been brewing, and then we're going to get into the other stuff. Oh, okay. okay. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My bad, my bad. (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah, so I mean, living in Santa Barbara, grew up in Goleta. I mean, you know, 10 minutes from each other. Um, but I catch shit about that sometimes, but, um, started home brewing, I think like late 2017, um, kind of started the way everybody else presumably did kits, things like that. No temp control, made terrible beer. I, uh, mm. fermented Chico at 83 degrees and got what you'd imagine I got. Um, mm, yeah, so. right. Had a couple Good. saisons and kind of realized you can kind of get away with shoddy temp control. Started doing it, got a taste for them. Um, had some mixed fermentation beer, saisons, wild ales, things like that. Fell in love with them, so had to figure out how to do that. And uh, all these years later, that's kind of still what I'm doing. Pretty much, not only, but 90% probably what I'm doing is something funky, sour, etc. Nice. Very cool. Um, so what are we all drinking? Are you, I'm okay. So I'll start. I'm drinking one of your beers, uh, a Goleta farmhouse beer. It's called Calico and it is a beer de garde (laughs) and has a really nice persistent head. 
Like this thing's been like tight bubbles for the past five minutes. Um, but yeah, really good. Like a deep orange color and it's really good. So, you know, I had to pull out a one of our guest beers. That's what we usually do. <laughs> cool. Glad you like it. Very tasty. Thank you. Um, I'll go next. I wish I was drinking that. That looks delicious. I have <laughs> a well. Celador ale that I poured called <clears throat> Large Dis Hunches. A rustic saison ale with Asian pears. Is it a can? Ooh, okay. Sounds good. Okay. Ooh. I know. That sounds interesting. It's pretty tight. Not a lot of carb, but um, really sour. And look at <laughs> I was hoping to have some yeast in the bottom of this can, so we'll see. There should be. Clear. Yeah. How about you, Kai? Contemporary RIP to Celador. We hope they come back somewhere soon, but they Looks have like, like a... Yeah, like they'll hopefully... On a mission. Yeah. <laughs> I saw something the other day that looks like they're getting their cultures going again. So there's hope Ooh, there. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. And like homebrew size, just, you know, for monsters and stuff. So just not in North Hills. They're not going no, anywhere. Right. We will be back. He said we will be back. He claimed I believe it. <laughs> All right, Kyle. What do you What do you got into the What do you got in there? Right. So drinking one of my beers as well, but thought this might be appropriate because it's beer built on. I want to say like two generations of bottle dregs. I first started up a bottle of Phantom yeast a long time ago, used it to blend with some old sour beer, made a beer decoupage, like kind of blended beer with it. Started the dregs up with that, got into a full pitch, fermented it, bottled it in like four weeks. And being honest, it was a bit rough for a little while. Probably just, I mean, could be a number of things, but probably just going into the bottle so quick probably didn't help. But it's probably about 10 months old now and, it's good. It's uh, probably a little different than the actual source it came from, but it's, uh, I mean, successful drag, you know, grow up and pitch. So very appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And we have so many questions, but we're going to do <laughs> an HBU. Go for it, Larry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with time Kyle. for us. <laughs> pop it in all right kyle go <laughs> okay um so god about probably dating about a month back i tried to do a spontaneous attempt at a spontaneous beer my folks house are out in galita near a farm and everything and kind of nothing for a long time but right now i'm seeing some bubbles on the side like some co2 it's not would not be a rolling fermentation or anything like that but my fingers are crossed for it um other than that i mean tyler and i we did a brown ale uh god what year's day or something like that and that's about a week in the keg now for me on carb so i'm probably gonna try it tonight a little later and then most recently pitched my phantom culture again that i've had going for a while just did a kind of straightforward saison uh like pilsner vienna wheat sterling hops all the way down probably bought that in three weeks and hopefully it's what it was before I'm excited about the brown because there's a there's a little bit of a distinct 
<laughs> difference in there. If you can expand on that. And it was all, the recipe is all Kyle's. I just kind of was there to help brew. So, uh, <laughs> but the I mean, it's all, <laughs> I more just took like a kind of, general kind of look at brown ales and stuff and then i was like i like rye so let's throw some rye in there but um yeah. mine dried out a little more than yours and i have my theories i mean i'm primarily using you know diastatic yeast brett stuff like that it's not funky or anything but i just i don't know i wonder if i can't get a beer to stay above like 10 10 for the most part so maybe that's a sanitation issue or something i'm not sure but so far so good tried it early the other day and tasted all right so better than all right but what kind of brown ale like what's the sort of bitterness going on with it i think we did like 30 ibus right somewhere in there maybe a little less yeah did we bitter with chinook i forget chinook. but it's yeah because it's like american it. <laughs> yeah it was like american hops chinook and i want to say willamette i think um, so yeah. So very, yeah. very good. Very balanced. Yeah. Two pounds of rye. Two pounds. So a lot of rye. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Ugh, okay. You want me to pull up beer, Smith? Well, right now? <laughs> we'll just keep it moving. It's it's a, it's, it's a pretty high percentage for a, a especially a brown ale so um, it's i don't know yeah. i thought it was a cool idea i think rye works well with brown ale so we'll see yeah um, so far so good so Lori, what's on your homebrewery update docket um my homebrew days were rained out there was some unpredictable weather and then my so i'm gonna brew not this weekend but next weekend um, and I'm hopefully going to figure out a, that's why we, that's the whole reason we have Kyle here is to walk, <laughs> walk me through this whole drug situation and maybe I'll pitch that I have about, um, I, ha I, I have 13 pounds of extra light Pilsner malt. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Happy to help. Yeah. Tyler. <laughs> Um, very quickly. Yes. Same with the brown ale. Um, I kicked mine the other day. Mine ended at like 1014. Kyle's ended at like 10. Oh, 10. Oh, eight, eight. It wasn't that. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. We're excited. <laughs> yeah. We're excited. To, what was the difference know, in the matches? You guys just split it or. We split it. We just, we just split it. His different. set for. Yeast, hours or... in a keg, right. but like no same yeast no same yeast yeah the only like like you're saying the only difference is that kind of put mine in a keg you know sanitized keg overnight but it, brought it home the yeah, next day but and it then was, pitched yeast. it was cold yeah like yeah. it was like in a it was in a sanitized keg it was like freezing it in Reseda so I don't think anything hmm. weird could have grown but anyway we'll see um and Cake the short spirits, carbonating slash lagering. Tasted it. <clears throat> so far, so good. I entered it into a couple competitions. I'm gonna keep that under wraps. Good luck. <laughs> Thank yes. you. Uh, but okay. yeah, that's it for my 
We're going to jump on in. I would like to formally <laughs> announce that I purchased an Erlenmeyer mask flask. Erlenmeyer <laughs> flask. I was so pleased to read you could put it directly on the burner. That feels very like Mr. Hensler's eighth grade science class. I'm super juiced. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I have. So my understanding is you should definitely like know, or as you get into homebrewing, you can use a yeast starter to sort of expand the amount of yeast that you have. If you wanted to pitch if you had more than five gallons or if you were worried that your yeast might expire. So yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. Let me just handle the basics here, guys. A little bit of wort. You're, it's in the flask. I'm boiling it. And then you put whatever yeast you're trying to fuck with into it. And then you cover it with sanitized foil let it cool off wait no 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 let it cool Ooh. off <laughs> yes yes nothing, <laughs> nothing weird happens then you put your little special yeasty in there then you should be agitating it now i did not splurge for this for the stir plate that's fine i'm gonna try to train train my work from home husband to <laughs> give it a swish every once in a while that's my strategy right. same okay. thing more or less Okay. Yeah. Now I think with the dregs are we we're we're faced with a different situation. Yes. Yeah. Okay, they're, tell us. Yeah. So I mean, just being yeast at the bottom of beer, you know, like twelve ounce, you know, seven hundred fifty mil, whatever it is, it's not very mm -hmm. much of it, and in all likelihood, you're getting that beer, even if it's pretty fresh, it's still like the yeast has kind of already done its work. It's refermented the beer in the bottle under pressure. So it's kind of, it's more or less spent. It's, it's kind of in poor shape more or less. Right. So, um, the idea with that is kind of step it up slow. And I've been, I've seen this kind of like, I want to say I've read it on milk, the funk for sure. I don't know if Michael Tonsmeyer has talked about it in his book, but, um, or American sour beers that is, but I have just kind of, you know, randomly Googled, you know, over time, just, you know, stepping up bottle dregs. And then I just kind of saw the most succinct way of doing it where, Someone just says, just, you know, it's going to be more, you know, on the verge of death or, you know, in, in poor health, just hit it with a little bit of say like 1020, 1025, you know, work, like just a little bit of it, like say hundred milliliters, something like that. Um, pour directly into the bottle because you're kind of dealing with less transfers at that point and, you know, cover it with foil, kind of shake it, agitate it, you know, every so often when you walk by it, you look at it, just shake it. Um, give it a while. I would say, I mean, on average, like a week before you even see activity or, you know, at the very least three wow. days. Yeah. Um, I mean, actually behind me, I, for this kind of took it upon myself to drink some beers and, uh, for the podcast, <laughs> um, <Thank you. laughs> you're, anything for you guys, but, um, you know, put a little bit of that. I think I did like, I kind of split the difference on that 1023 starter work just dumped it into every bottle once it was cooled, like you said, and I covered them with foil and yeah, kind of as I'm walking by there, I'm picking them up, shaking them. I have one right here too is uh, just kind of, you know. So and I want to, as you go on, I want to like bring our listeners to a contrast. So like, sure. 
when you're making a starter with you know even expired yeast uh mm-hmm. from like a you know commercial like homebrew pack um it's usually like you know the guidelines are you're making a liter maybe two but usually like a liter to two liters um so you're saying like 100 uh, milliliters which is like way less than that yeah um and the gravity for a standard five gallon batch starter <clears throat> depending on what you're doing is like around 1040 so what you're saying is you want to do a, a lot less volume and a lot less strength in terms of like you know the the sugar and the you know basically a starter is like a baby beer right right um so you want to give you want to like it's less of like a shock factor i, I suppose exactly you're you're saying the yeast is, you know, already kind of like struggling. It's been so through it. Kind of like, yeah, you want to hit it with a little bit of like little one hot Cheeto, or, not like a whole bag of hot Cheetos. Exactly. <laughs> or like, <laughs> exactly. And I mean, it's kind of on that note, like I've, I've heard people describe it as waking it up. Like that's kind of the way to look mm. at it. Like you're waking up the okay. yeast. You're, you're kind of just giving it just like you like a little snack, maybe a little more nutritious than a hot Cheeto, maybe. But um, <laughs> But uh, I mean, a, and the, other, the what I kind of forgot to mention too is, I mean, if you're you got dregs in the bottle, you probably still got like a, I don't know half to one inch of beer sitting on top of the dregs too, so it's going to dilute down a little more than mm-hmm. you know ten twenty. But it really is just to kind of you know just kind of wake it up a little bit, as they say, and you know just get it kind of like walking again. I let's say. Can we rewind back to like what is dregs? We didn't even kind of like cover that first. Gunga. Sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Gunga. Gunga. Okay. <laughs> yes. Kyle, can you enlighten us um, yes. on what is what are dregs? Sure. So, I mean, kind of in the process of bottle conditioning, which, you know, something everyone probably has some experience with, you know, your first homebrew kit, you're going to put it in bottles. You're going to add the mm-hmm. five grams or five ounces of dextrose to, to the bottling bucket. It gets mixed in and uh, it naturally referments in the bottle. And it's kind of the same thing as when you see it on a five gallon scale or beyond when the yeast cake settles out to the bottom when, when it's done fermenting, it flocculates out, you know, crashes down. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's really just, that's what the dregs are there. And I mean, this could be single culture, you know, uh, mixed culture, whatever. It's just whatever it is usually settles out to the bottom, collects a nice like little a, Like layer. a little sediment. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, if you look at it too, like if you, if you haven't seen them before, you kind of look at a bottle, you'll see... A little kind of layer at the bottom. You you can kind of distinguish that between the liquid. And, but that's, yeah, it is just kind of the aftermath of a refermentation in the bottle. Yeah, so the idea is, is like homebrewers started to become interested in, I mean, I would say mostly like Belgian style, because uh, a lot of like, uh, you know, Belgian beers, um, European beers, um, along the like farmhouse like sour are are bottle conditioned and they're like ooh you know we want to get this same kind of like um <clears throat> characteristics from this like you know lambic goose whatever hoping to hoping that there was still some left in the the bottom of the bottle and so i feel like that's how that started right it's like okay you know yeah. all of those beers are all of those beers for the most part are bottle conditioned 
Right. Um, and so you get that little bit of sediment and you're like, Ooh, you know, we want to capture that and kind mm-hmm. of try and reuse it and re, you know, imitate, kind of imitate those flavors from those beers. So that's kind of how yeah. that started. And like you said, American farmhouse or what is it? American sour beers. It's a good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's kind of a good, I don't know, kind of just crash course that's a on good start. Yeah. Right. If you're interested in anything like that, but, um, to your point real quickly is that I God, I'm fairly certain that's how new Belgium started out too, is that, I mean, whoever started, they were a home brewer and kind of just, were just kind of growing up bottle dregs. Cause I mean, you imagine back when they were starting it up, they didn't have access. They couldn't just go to, you know, homebrew store and get the, you know, Belgian Abbey yeast or whatever it is. So that's, I mean, people had to make do with what they had back in the day. White Labs didn't even start until like the mid '90s or something. Right? Yeah, yeah. And people, I think, were using Sierra bottles for like ales. Very cool. (laughs) Quick, I do want to back up just because. So, sort of like waking it up, and then you Mm -hmm. you sort of, and we had chatted about this. You talk about like you kind of then take that decant and then kind of do a classic, more of a classic starter that you're familiar with in the flask that people would sort of maybe do from expired yeast or yeah, a smaller amount of yeast. What's kind of the, the timeline? Like, let's say you wanted to do, you had a brew day set for a Sunday. Walk yeah. us do some backwards planning. What's sort of the timeline you want to start this? Sure. So unfortunately with the timeline aspect of it is it's kind of, you, you kind of got to be on the yeast time a little bit because it might not start up right. Yeah. It might, it might take a minute. Like um, if you start this yeast up tonight, I wouldn't necessarily expect to be like able to pitch, do a full pitch this time next week, maybe, but it Mm -hmm. just depends how viable it is. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, the first starter, let's just say very much on average, I'll give them like a week. Sometimes if they, if I see them, you'll shake them up and you'll know, like it'll plume up a little bit. Um, and you'll just kind of, once I see that, I kind of just, you know, keep giving it a shake every once in a while until it's kind of just, you know, like even like beer or starters that kind of have their upswing and their downswing. So I kind of watch for that. Um, once I see it kind of, you know, have its little activity and kind of, you know, stall out a little bit, I'll, probably step it up like incrementally insofar as like I'll do maybe like if that was uh you know a little bit of 100 like 100 milliliters of 1020 wort something like that I'll maybe go like I don't know something like 400 milliliters of 1030 and you know boil that cool it everything and just pitch everything directly in there like I wouldn't bother decanting at this stage just do that and you can either agitate it you know like just kind of walking by it or put it on a stir plate at that point, like a little slow stir. Mm-hmm. Um, let it kind of, again, kind of, you know, go through its life cycle, the up and down and everything. And at that point I would decant that, um, you know, two, three days, something like that. And you'll see the layer collect on the bottom. Uh, once you're ready, you could step it up. I mean, if you're, if it's looking good, I'd go for a liter personally, but if it's not, I'd maybe just incrementally just another like 500, six, just, you know, a little more. Um, pour off the, the beer on the top, leave the, leave the cake, leave enough liquid to swirl it around, pitch it in there, start it up again, let it go through that. Um, you know, kind of repeat as needed, I guess I'd say until you think it's ready to go and you'll kind of know, like when it's handling a a leader, sorry, Lori's like, 
fuck like (laughs) cool i'm that's it's that's totally fine is this something (laughs) it sounds (laughs) because then once you feel like you have something sort of viable can you Uh can you like chill that and then store it and then bring it out again okay yeah oh yeah yeah it's i mean and that's just like yeast starters generally like you know a lot of times i'll I'll start up, you know, a liter of just whatever yeast I plan to use on a brew day coming up. And for whatever reason, the brew day doesn't happen. And I'll just leave it in the fridge two, three weeks. Never had an issue with it. Um, and, you know, I've kind of read around too, like, is this an issue? You know, it, no one's ever really kind of said, oh, my, my batch got in. You know, I've never, never read that anyways. I'm sure it could happen. But as long as you get the foil crimp tight around there, okay. probably okay for a little while. Yeah. Okay. I heard two weeks is like two weeks is probably a good rule. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like pushing it to three weeks is not is not a bad thing. It's fine, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but especially on the homebrew level, it's like sure. It's but if you're chilling. trying to be ultra sure, <laughs> that's probably a good way to look at it. Right. Okay. <laughs> so that's very insightful. So you're, I mean. It really depends on what you've, you know, quote unquote, captured. I only have one real drag collecting experience. And that was actually uh, from a bottle that, uh, from a brewery that you really like, Blau G. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to try this. Like, whatever. Did the whole thing in the bottle throw it up a little bit and then it's so exciting like the <laughs> next day or two you're like oh my god like something's happening something's it worked yeah yeah and i actually was able to like prop that up into like a pitchable thing of yeast so yeah i used it <laughs> like yeah you did use it yeah um so that was and and you know that's obviously not going to be like everyone's experience but that was pretty cool i thought it happened like really fast and maybe the bottle just the viability like you said it kind of like comes down to that people pitch mm-hmm. well like you know home brewers will like drink a bunch of bottles one night swirl it up pitch it all into a barrel see what happens like can you shed some insight onto that like sounds that like a, a vibe yeah, yeah, yeah vibe oh my god vibe slash i don't know shout, a lot of homebrewers shout out vibe though if anyone's listening i love you guys that sounds very yeah. vibe yeah. Um, happy birthday it, it andy does. this is not oh, we're recording this on his birthday but cool but yeah i mean as far as just using yeah so you don't necessarily have to grow if you like if, if that whole sounds like too many steps or too much time mm-hmm. you definitely can use it alongside like a primary yeast like i've done that a lot um you know just i'll typically pitch a saison yeast just because i know it'll finish i don't have to worry about that but a lot of people do like even uso5 um pitch a bunch of dregs or just you know a set oh. of dregs that they like it's just if it's a beer you like and you're trying to make something funky sour wild whatever um you can go ahead and pretty much once you're finished drinking it leave about i don't know inch half inch on the bottom Swirl it up, pitch in your fermenter. I've done it right at the top of fermentation, like as I pitch, uh, say, like the my Saccharomyces yeast. Just like or, straight in there, just straight like in from there, the yeah. bottle. Boop. Yep. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's 
And that might be, that might be more appealing, I imagine. To I mean, it's it's appealing to me. Like I still do it. Um, a lot of times, if there's like a you know pitching something, I know that's could be oh, like a saison yeast. To, oh yeah. You you've made the beer. You've pitched just like Belle Saison or like USO Fire, uh-huh. like just something basic or whatever. Yeah. And then you just have like this awesome funky sour beer from like your homie, and you leave a little bit. It's warm. You yep. swirl it, and you just like give mm-hmm. a little spice to it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, your your results are going to vary for sure. Um, like actually. Yeah, it does depend. I mean, it depends on, again, like kind of age of the dregs, how like, I guess I'd say like voracious they are, but you can definitely get a sour funky beer off of that. I've, I've done it. Um, God, there's one beer I probably did two years ago where I pitched, you know, just a, is just a regular pitch of Blaugy. And then I bottled dregs of two sour beers. One was my own previous thing. And then another was just a, you know, mixed fermentation saison. Pitched those in, gave it three months. Um, you know, I didn't mash too high. I mashed like 150 for that, just for the sake of letting it get down to a low gravity. And I mean, once when I bottled it, it was it had a lot of funk going on, a little bit of acidity, which kind of is where I like it. Uh, but it was probably, I would say, probably one of my more favorite beers that I've made. And it was just off of two just direct bottle drink pitches. Which one was that? Wait, and no other, just just two drag pitches, no other like regular. I'm sorry, I didn't hear the first part. No, yeah, it was just just dregs, just two bottles of dregs. Um, I think you might have had wow. it, Tyler. It was a saison DLV or something like that. It was just I added some orange peel to it, like at flame out, and then it was just a like a fifty fifty pilsner wheat saison. Uh, God, it's amazing how you remember is all his like recipes. I don't know. <laughs> My brain's good I'm for like, that and not a lot else. I don't remember else, what but... the fuck I ate yesterday. I mean, I don't remember that either. <laughs> I don't remember what I ate yesterday. <laughs> okay. I have Amazing. a bunch of questions, but I'm trying to slow it down. Okay. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. In the case of like sour beers where there might be bacteria or um, bread, mm-hmm. how does that play into this practice? As far as building those dregs up? Mm-hmm. Or you're building up a drag with mm-hmm. those other oh, yeah. elements here as well. And you're sort of creating a whole new little biome mm-hmm. of <laughs> things <laughs> that'll do things. <laughs> wow. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, no, um, it's more or less the same. I mean, it will like, so like, again, the beer I popped earlier is, it was kind of a, it was that, it was exactly that. I mean, there's everything under the sun as far as, you know, like Saccharomyces, Lactobacillus, Pediococcus, bread, all that stuff's in there. Um, it probably grew a little out of proportion. Like some things probably benefited more than others. It's still, I still get some Saison character from it, but so it might not be like a one for one clone of what it came from, but it'll still, it'll all work. Like in Brett is kind of a, they call it like a scavenger yeast anyways. Like it doesn't need it doesn't need like a healthy environment to thrive. Like you could just pitch it in when everything's done. It'll find a way to survive. It'll eat dead yeast. It, it's, it's just, it's a slow moving, but yeah, it's, it's a whole thing, it's but a dog, it's a dog. <laughs> they call it, they call it a cow. Like it's just going to graze Ooh. around, like, you know, just slowly kind of just eat. It's moves slow, but right. Yeah. I know. But, uh, <laughs> or a goat, like it's uh there's that, was that carnival, carnival Bertanomyces in Belgium where it's just bread will eat everything. That's same kind of idea, but. <laughs> But yes, um, you can you can grow up a, like a mixed <laughs> culture, no problem. 
I mean. Okay. Next question. You don't really have anything. You don't have your phantom. You don't have a Galetta farmhouse situation where like what types of beers are you looking for? Like what's best suited for this type of thing? Gotcha. That's a good question too. Um, I mean, most, most cases it's going to be like a Belgian beer somewhere. Like most like, okay. Like a lot of like Trappist beers, like uh was it? Chimay. Um, mm. All those beers, they're all bottle conditioned. Like they all have like the yeast sediment. If you, if you, you know, like, I mean, I remember like before I knew it was what, and I was kind of drinking those beers, I'd pour the whole thing in there. And I was like, my beer just got all cloudy and all these little chunks in it and stuff. So um, things like a gosh, Chimay, uh, like Tyler was saying earlier, Blaugy, Saison, those aren't like incredibly common, but you can find them at a bottle shop a lot of times. Um, I mean, Phantoms, you could still find at bottle shops too, but like, I would say baseline would be like a, any type of like Trappist beer for the most part, I don't think they pasteurize for the most, or, you know, for the most part, they don't pasteurize or filter or things like that. Um, that would be a good would place you, to start. Would you classify Saison under Trappist? No. No, right? Okay. No. But I mean, you, I feel like you get a lot of your drugs from like a Saison or like mm-hmm. Lambic, Lambic. Or yeah whatever, right all that stuff, so i mean goose. yeah all those yeah <laughs> all those two i mean this right here is a, a goose i'm trying to you know work up but uh yeah so i like stuff like that or just yeah I, so i guess i'm being too narrow-minded on it but yeah exactly if you want a sour beer like a celador bottle i'm sure that's you know plenty of viable stuff in there to, to uh grow up um yeah kind of like tyler like you were saying lambic goose all that i mean depends what you're going for but Basically, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. <laughs> so I've heard. So I've heard. Um, they still apparently bottle or can condition at this point, right? And you know what though? But like, why would you do that? They use. I know the, we have the Chico you can. yeast <laughs> is so readily available. Just I know. You know get some yeast. Why would you do that when you have like? <laughs> it's like but, commercially but, available. Quickly on that note, though, is like. I, I've heard that for a lot, and like I'll look in the bottle or in the can, like you don't see any yeast sediment at the bottom, like you would if you just pour the whole thing of a bottle conditioned beer. So it's like they must have some next level way of doing it. But Lori, take I do us believe it to the your mothership. Yeah. What's the secret? It. It's I think it's I don't know about the cans, but in the bottles, the yeah you can see it sometimes. Okay. They probably there. just have a really good, like efficient way of doing it or something, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, anything basically like I would say the bottom line is if you, you know, look at the bottle and you see a little bit of layer, it's usually going to be like, I almost want to say like white or off white in comparison to like the liquid on top. You'll notice like a distinction between that. Like you can probably throw some wort at that and get it to grow if it's not However, too low. Yeah. Yeah. There are some breweries that don't want you taking their drugs. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh-huh. talk. So, about <laughs> what do they? What do they do to try to avoid or try to like? Yeah, avoid people stealing their. You know, because a lot of breweries are like, "This, this is our yeast strain. This, this is our mine. Yeast, yeah. You know, <laughs> this is our culture. Nerd, take right. the yeast." gosh yeah very uh-huh. protective right it's, yeah so, it's like it's like it's their ip yeah <laughs> so the what, are, what are, 
<laughs> what are what are the processes um <clears throat> for that and how do we even know i guess you there's no way of knowing unless you like kind of look online or something but yeah there are processes that these breweries take to like <clears throat> Make it so that you can't steal their at least, little, name. or at least make it less like alluring or something like that. Um, sure. Yeah, and you know, there's probably something that I'm not aware of, but from what I am aware of, I think it's something like I have heard of, like that Hill Farmstead. They're like a famous farmhouse brewery in Vermont. They are mm-hmm. the guy, the brewer. He is kind of protective of his yeast a little bit, um, and I think he will. Yeah, I think you will intentionally re, uh, bottle condition with wine yeast, which or champagne yeast, whatever, which I'll do sometimes if it's an aged beer. But I think he does it intentionally regardless um, so that you're – if you did try and grow them up, you're growing up some champagne yeast, essentially like <laughs> – well, it's not only, but I mean uh, – Wait, is like that a, his I think it's supposed to be that's specifically I, that person's reason or it's – I can't confirm it, but I've heard that the guy's protective of it. I've even heard there's a podcast of the – guy from Sante Adarius who was talking about it and he's like, Hey, my use is in your beer. What, how'd you do that? Like, I don't know how he, I don't know how he figured that out. I mean, must have a really keen sense of taste. I mean, probably, but the uh, tea. he's like, well, yeah, yeah, I did. Like, <laughs> but, um, so like the, the idea behind that is like, you'll be growing a bunch of champagne yeast, champagne yeast or wine yeast, whatever. It's supposed to be like killer yeast where it kills, um, like other Saccharomyces strains that are not like it, but, Okay. All that to say is, I think we all know uh, someone who, well, I know that he's built up a, a culture from Hill Farmstead and he's given me some beers. We've all, I think we've all had him at the Long Beach Fest uh, last year, but we know this person. Who? Oh, Val. I mean, I don't, uh, yeah. Uh, oh. I don't know his last name, but Val from Long Beach uh, Homebrewers. He, Wait, you he, know Val. I think that's like his secret. I don't know if we should... Yeah, uh, you can maybe edit that out. That's why I didn't want to drop the the thing all, all like that. But it'll be fine. <laughs> but right, well, I know, I know. But um, all to say the is, FBI is going to be like SWAT team <laughs> over his house. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it may be. But the Hill Farmstead guy in a helicopter. But um, <laughs> he. But all to say is, I think he did like. I remember talking to him a while ago about it, like just over Instagram, or whatever, and he did a relatively quick you know, fermentation to bottle conditioning. And I tried that and he put some on fruit and stuff and it was all amazing. So that to me, like, you know, deducing that they bottle condition with wine yeast, et cetera. And it was still able to pull off a beer like that. I, I would have no problems using it myself, like at all. I, I wouldn't think twice about it personally. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. So I have to run some experiments. Yeah. I'm sure there's other ways yeah. that they could like filter all the yeast out and then give it like a crappy yeast to bottle condition off of, but like, you pasteurize it. Take the beer, pour it, pour it out, dry it out, scrape a sample. <laughs> Prop that. I mean, that's that's beyond that's, my uh, understanding or that's <laughs> confidence. Cute. You know, you know, I understand being, you know, that, um, you're like, it's illegal to grow, to grow fruits and vegetables. Like most commercially bought fruits and vegetables come from like one type of seed 
farm okay. and the farmers have to buy the seeds. So if you, I don't know, I can't explain it right now, but <laughs> it is illegal to grow from like commercial seeds because I don't know, like the, whatever the company is that own the seeds, you can't do that. Interesting. That sounds like the same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. It's like when you've built something right. that's so world renowned, you're like, you know, some people are very gatekeepy about it. And it's, sure. Eh, fine. Maybe you some people are like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> you don't know our process. So like, there's no way you're going to replicate this, which is right. like, that's the camp I'm in. I'm like, I don't, I'm not there watching. I don't know like your exact steps. There's no way. Yeah. But, you know, it's like something like Jester King where, or uh, what are the other, like bootleg biology, shout out. Sure. <laughs> they, you know, collected yeast strains from, you know, world renowned sour funky breweries. Yeah. Um, and that's super cool. So that home brewers can use it. I'm sure they have commercial pitches. But that's super cool. So yeah. I know Jester King had one. Like there was a few others that you you had gotten too. Yeah, like uh Embrace of Funk from Yazoo. That's actually really yeah. I have a bottle in my fridge right now. It's actually turned out really nice. Uh okay. essentially just a Brett Saison blend, I think. There might be some lacto in there, but hopped it up too much to get any acid out of it. What a it. compliment to have someone try to Isn't that cool? Yeah. Maggie's beautiful. Hold on. I'd right. like to turn this conversation. We're gonna get a little dark here. Um <laughs> I'm wondering when you are like inspecting a bottle and you're looking at dregs and you're like, you know, you're sort of tasting the beer. Mm -hmm. Is there something to look out for that maybe you, that wouldn't, that you could see visually that like maybe wouldn't be good. I monkish has these like awesome Belgians that are like Uh really hot. But when you look at it, it does look like there's that green layer. Oh yeah. I'm sure there is. That is would interfere in the process or I don't think so. Like what I was going to say is like, what I'd look for is like the bottling date. If it's on there, if it's like years and years old, then you might have a mm-hmm. tough time. But like, I think monkey should probably be a great place to steal their drugs. Um, because <laughs> I mean, you know, that it's probably whatever they have on. It's like, they probably can't keep that. You know, I remember we went there once and they had like a, it was like some like table beer, really good. Um, mm-hmm. And that was definitely bottle condition. Yeah, yeah. I think we all had the same one. But that's, I'm sure it's probably gone now. So all to say is like, that's probably not a 10-year-old beer or five-year-old beer sitting on their shelf. So I would definitely prop that oh, up. Oh, so you're saying it's like <laughs> ready to go. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a good chance that it's fairly fresh as far as those beers go. Yeah. Especially, yeah, something like on the on the topic of low alcohol, that's also kind of desirable too. It's like, if you're going to, you know, if you get like a Belgian quad, for instance, I know I was talking about Trappist beers earlier. If you got like a triple or a quad, you could still get some good luck out of it. But the idea of, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be in a wheelchair. Like, exa- yeah, that's, thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth, but made them better. But <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to be dealing with some damaged yeast <laughs> at that point. But hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Like so basically you're looking for, Fresh, but not too fresh. Should be too fresh. fresh. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like as long as it's done re-fermenting, I guess you know. Sure. Yeah. So 
relatively fresh yeah. and a manageable ABV. Yes, but I mean, again, there's exceptions to everything. Like the Phantom there culture, is, I yeah. still have. That was off like an 8% beer. And it it's it goes down to zero for me pretty much without me having to do anything. Like it eats yeah, everything. I want, <laughs> so I want to ask, what have been your most successful drag? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, buildups mm-hmm. or however you want to call it. The Phantom for sure. Because I use that okay. now that I have it. I use it in not everything and like I'll use other Saison strains, but it's probably my favorite. It puts off a good character. It does a good job. I kind of have it. Not, I won't say I have it figured out because that's, you know, I'll have another thing coming if I say that, but I've kind of figured out how to work with it. I think uh, not super difficult, but um, I grew up some dregs from an Alberon beer, which is like a French brewery um, made a beer with that. Although that one, I mean, it came out really nice too, but it's, I heard a podcast where the guy say it's not diastatic. So I was like, do I want to bottle this? It ended at like 10, 14. I guess that's probably the the most, you know, final gravity I've ever had in a beer. So I can't. 10, four, yeah, I was going to say 10, 10 14. 14. Yeah. Kyle is like, that's, this is a sin. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. It's, I, I, I don't know. I'd like, what if I got like some unwashed Brett in a bottle and I put it in there and it just explodes? Um, <laughs> like, yeah. like the, I don't know. But so, uh, Cake condition that, but that was actually really successful. I still have some of that. Um, this beer I'm drinking now, it's worked. I've still, I've done a couple beers with it at this point. I consider it my, not my house culture, but something like that. I can just pitch it and probably get a quick turnaround or quicker turnaround, funky mixed fermentation thing. Um, grew up some Fair Isle dregs and that one probably a little less successful. I think it got a little out of whack you know, as far as how it all, uh, presents itself, but it worked. <laughs> so, okay. More questions are happening. Um, <laughs> I want to have more questions about like kind of your setup and your process. I let, I love when brewers like kind of tell us about sort of their rhythm before I do that. I do want to hear about any, horror stories of this practice uh-huh. have you had any, <laughs> yes any drag gone bad like uh-huh. what did you learn from that and what what can you share <laughs> so well, yes actually and actually i kind of jotted down some notes like that didn't want to forget and this is kind of one i'm glad you i'm glad you asked um <laughs> the first time i ever did it i uh tried to prop a bottle of saison dupont their dregs from that mm-hmm. and i was like you know i was obsessed with that yeast That's for a while and that beer um who I've also heard kind of add another bottling yeast in there, but I don't think this is why that went south, but um, kind of, you know, started it up. <sighs> to be honest, I can't remember if I just started up in a little Erlenmeyer, like, but, you know, it, it kind of, I didn't see anything going. So I'm like, okay, I'll step it up anyways after a week. Uh, stepped up to like 500 milliliters, put it in an Erlenmeyer, put the foil on, let it sit for a day, you know, shook it every once in a while. And then I spun it at one point and it kind of, it bloomed like it was, you know, this big kind of like it, it, it was active and I smelled it and it was totally rancid. It smelled like, like rotten milk or something like that. And I was like, Ooh. Oh my God. Yeah. So dumped it right away. I don't know what happened. Um, I'm going to assume that maybe I went a little too fast with it and or sanitation, but I think, you know, as long as you're kind of willing to like the next time I tried it, I did it with Jester King yeast and that worked out great um but i think all to say is uh you do want to kind of be patient with it give it its time to and not kind of rush it 
if you're going to go like all the way with some tricks. Okay. Go. <laughs> Patience anyway. is a virtue. That's what Jesus said in the Bible. That's that's what I'm taking <laughs> from that at least. <laughs> um. Okay. So you get sort of the 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 baby spit up smell. It is bad. Is <laughs> it is gag inducing. <laughs> Uh, Tyler and I are, we know about the vomit. I told, I actually told him about that story like oh, yeah. a week ago. Yeah. Right, that's fresh in my brain. <laughs> is, it, yeah. is, it, is it really that bad? Everyone's like, it's bad. Oh no, we were so in love. No, when you so were in love. in love. I was no, like, this girl. is. <laughs> you, it was. I smelled it on my hand. I smelled it the whole ride home. Ugh. Oh no! It was Ooh. in my. It was in my bedroom. Like, girl, <laughs> right, blowing up, right? <laughs> Bottles exploding. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> okay, um, break us down, kind of your process. So, if you're, yeah. Some of these bottles that you're talking about are a little on the rare side and not kind of an everyday purchase. Sure. Um, is this, and I, I don't think we've really expressed it. And this also is like very cool to me. The, the, the characteristics of the yeast do change over time with, I mean, do you find that like, are, are you still going off of one thing from like 2017 or do you have more of a method to integrate sort of new fresh things or how do you keep, you know, how do you evaluate where you're at and how do you keep the supply going, man? So, um, yeah, kind of the supply, keeping the supply going is I've kind of figured that out as two kind of ways to, um, do it fairly easily. It's not like a big kind of pain in the ass or anything. Uh, one is you could save off the fermenter, like after you bottle a beer or keg it or whatever, leave a little layer, similar like it's just a big bottle drink at that point. Leave enough, swirl it up, put it into a sanitized mason jar. Um, I will say that I'll put it in the fridge. I'll loosely tighten the, the uh, lid because I've heard of people talking about their mason jars exploding because they're not, they're still like have some, I don't know, maybe they get shook up or they're not quite done fermenting and Sounds like something to avoid, but, um, so that's one way. Another way, and honestly, even easier is if you're doing a starter for your brew day, start it like a day in advance, um, have like a little vial. You can get them on Amazon or like, if you have an old yeast vial, that's like a good little screw top thing. I'll just save, I mean, just fill a little one up, maybe cost you like a hundred milliliters of your starter, whatever it is, pitch the rest into your beer, put it in the fridge and you got enough, another one to start up. And I've noticed, I mean, if I'm, even if it's like, I'm not really counting yeast usually, but if I'm starting it up kind of like, again, like earlier, like Tyler was saying, like within two weeks, you're probably good to just throw it into a one liter starter more or less. Um, and 24 hours later, you probably have something ready to roll, you know, with a reasonable gravity at least. Nice. I know. I, I always like admired Whenever we talk about like starting up yeast and stuff, I'm like, God, I'm like, Kyle's so good at, I don't know, he's just like so on top of that process. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to make a one liter starter. I don't fucking know. Like, whatever. <laughs> Hopefully it works. Cool. And not that you know for sure, but you're a little bit more on top of like preparation for 
Yeah. A brew you got like a, a notepad, Excel sheet, a label maker. <laughs> Beersmith is like, Beersmith is uh, like, make a three liter starter right, at 250. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to throw like a proper can, call it a day. Fine. So, I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't keep on the, as far as yeast goes, I don't really keep a, keep notes on it. I'll keep notes on brew days and stuff, you know, to a degree, but. No, you used to have like a little shelf in the fridge where it's just kind of, you know, write down what it is, Phantom, uh, you know, whatever I was using recently, Saison Parfait, something like that. But um, nothing too uh, too involved, but I do, I do like, like she was saying, proper starters. It's one of those in a bottle of, you know, 16 ounce bottle of water. It's too easy. So that's, that's the way I think is if you can... If you can like get your hands on proper starters, get a couple of them because God just makes starters that much easier rather than having to like boil up the water on the stove, cool it down, everything. Yeah. I will say <laughs> though, when you're making, you said like 100 milliliter, 500 milliliter. Right at that point, yeah, you got to do it. You probably want to go get some DME and yes, do that. I mean, yeah. it's what is it like a liter? It's like. <clears throat> hundred grams per liter or some crap like that. Um, I don't know that, but I know that uh, on more beer they have a DME calculator. I just use that. Okay. Um, oh, easy enough. Perfect. I don't have to. I don't even have to know that. Like, <laughs> sponsor us more beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Just kidding. Okay, cool. Well, I want to say um, I don't know if you want to like wrap up. Like, so dregs awesome yeah get them from like cool mostly like belgian like funky sour i don't know if there's a real application to like you know there's not a real application to like anything that's not bottle conditioned obviously but also um you know anything american british Eh, just leave it. You can probably get those yeast <laughs> cultures commercially, buy them at the store. Yeah. Um that's but it is yeah. no no no. But seriously, it is it's I feel like the concept of you know getting drugs is like some Belgian brewery has like a cool mixed culture. Yeah. And you wanna try to like get those characteristics, apply them to your beer. It's kind of where drag culture, drag hashtag drag culture <laughs> comes from. And that's what makes it fun is, you know, you want to like kind of fuck up your beer and. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the only thing or the thing I would say in addition to that, I know I was kind of just, I think, saying, you know, Trappist Belgian beers, but actually a really good source. And actually what Lori has just done is, I mean, like Celador you know, or like mm-hmm. homage or something like that. Just local breweries that do this kind of, be- these kind of beers, if they bottle yeah. condition or can condition or whatever, do that. <laughs> that's kind of what I did. Yeah. That's, that's where I started with it. Um, Listen, Eve, I went ahead. I don't know. Here's my Celador. It's in the can. I'm, I, I think I'm going to actually put this in the flask. I'm going to thin yeah. out my little DME situation. I'm going to thin mm-hmm. it out. Yeah. I'm going to bring it down. I'm going to pour it in the <laughs> I with I didn't even know, but I did put boil on top of this guy. Okay. And we'll give it we're gonna give it a shot. I have a buttload of yeast if it doesn't work out by <laughs> brew day. Doesn't yeah. fucking matter. 
But anyway, thank you so much for coming on and of course telling us how to do this and speaking of your experience. I love it. It's almost like, um, you know, you, uh, look, Cal, it sounds like you have kind of an underground sour, funky yeast, uh, fridge. (laughs) I try, I try. (laughs) That is where you, so hit Kyle up for some, um, some funky (laughs) yeast or some information on creating your own culture (laughs) from the drug. Thank you so much for coming at, on. Absolutely. Thank Goleta you for having me. Farmhouse. Yes. Mm-hmm. Check yeah. them out at <laughs> on Instagram. Cool. That's G O L E T A. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's me. No. Um, thank you guys. I appreciate this. This has been fun. <laughs> of course. Thanks. You're very knowledgeable and we appreciate it. So until next time, you guys will see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for hanging with us. And uh, yeah, that's about it for tonight. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Brewed Up Podcast and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Want more Brewed Up? Check out our Patreon page. For a few bucks a month, patrons have access to video recordings of our episodes, exclusive recipes, and all sorts of bonus content. Brewed Up is pleased to have the support of the American Home Brewers Association. Consider joining and get access to hundreds of solid homebrew recipes, techniques, community, and of course, random pictures of us brewing. The Brewed Up music is produced by LA legend producer Elusive.